You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, kitties, and welcome to my world. I would come over and say hello to you, but it's just as easy for you to come to me. Yes, yes, come in. You've come to the right place. This is where you'll learn everything there is to know about your furry feline friends. I'm talking about cats. Yes, I know. We are positively perfect pets. What do you mean I have attitude? Why, of course I do. I'm a cat. It's called Catitude. As I was saying, this show is all about cats. Cats and... Um, oh, yes, uh, cats. So let me introduce you to my accomplice, I mean assistant and host of Catitude, Tom Doc. Okay, Tom, tell them how wonderful we cats are. It's okay, you have my permission. Hello again, and welcome to the Catitude Channel on Pet Life Radio. I am your host, Tom Doc, and once again, it is my distinct pleasure to be here talking about all things feline, hoping that I'm helping you out a little bit by talking about your kitty cat friend and hoping that you're learning something, too, on a daily basis. We have, I think, a really good show going on today. I'll tell you about it in just a little bit, but it's going to involve some myths, some legends, and believe it or not, even some politics. So it ought to be really good today. But before we get started, I just wanted to say thanks to everybody who is emailing in and taking the time to send questions to us here at Pet Life Radio. I truly enjoy my um, emails that I get, and I wanted to say hello to Carol from California. Carol wrote me and said that she's got a cat named Tuxedo, a black and white um, uh, domestic short hair, I believe she said, and the cat's been living with them for about two and a half years, and she's really concerned because the kitty cat yowls all night long and howling um, outside the bedroom door, and so she asked for a little bit of help with that, and we contacted Dr. Bernadine Cruz, um, who is the pet doctor at Pet Life Radio, as well as a veterinary behaviorist, and of course, as Carol has probably already seen from my emails that I sent back to her, you know, there's a lot of different things that could be causing this type of problem with the cats. It may be something that goes away on its own, but uh, according to Carol, Tuxedo's been doing this for about two and a half years, and Tuxedo is a rescue cat that um, they got, actually they rescued him out of a sewer, she and her um, her sister, who has since run away from home, evidently, and of course, Carol is very concerned about how this is affecting her and how it's affecting her husband, and so we've got them uh, hopefully set up with a veterinary behaviorist out there in California, and certainly this is a common occurrence, but it is also a very correctable problem, so before you get frustrated with any of your cat's behavior, and I think this is the take-home message here, always talk with your veterinarian and see about talking with a veterinary behaviorist before you get frustrated and have to give up your cat. I also want to say hi to Jean. Jean, I'm not sure where you were from, but you sent me an email about Siamese, and you are a fellow Siamese lover like me, and um, Jean also sent us a website. It's called williamthecat.blogspot.com. WilliamTheCat.blogspot.com And William the Cat evidently writes in this blog and William's got several brothers, kitty brothers and sisters and one of his sisters is Carolyn the Siamese and they have what's called a Miser Rule Wednesday and every Wednesday Carolyn has her picture up there and she has a little rule about what it's like to be owned by cats and this one this week, uh, today is Wednesday, July 2nd Um, I know that not everybody listens on the same day so just to let you know 
And Carolyn basically was showing off um, being very cute under the table, causing her owner to want to take a picture of her, but the picture kind of focused on the carpet and not the cat. And, of course, Carolyn had a response about that. You can imagine what a Siamese response would be. But um, certainly that is a, um, a wonderful website to take a look at, williamthecat.blogspot.com. And then finally, let's say hi to Sherry as well. Sherry, she's um, kind of the one who got today's show Kind of started rolling here. She has Bermans, two kittens um, that she has at home, Furby and Frisbee, a little Seal Point boy and a blue Lynx Point little girl. And she wanted to know a little bit more about Bermans. And um, we learned quite a bit, Sherry. Um, hopefully this will help you out with this show today. And Sherry is from Canada. So hello to all of our northern friends up there. Being an old-time Newfie myself, I do miss uh, Canada a little bit. Haven't been up in quite a while. But certainly we do love our neighbors up there to the north. And they love their kittens just as well as we do down here. Today, our show is going to focus on three breeds of cats, and the breeds, as I've already mentioned, one is the Bermans for Sherry, because she wanted to learn a little bit more about that, but also we're going to talk about ragdolls and snowshoes. Now, all of these cats have one thing in common, and that's going to be our trivia question today. And at the end of our show, as we always do, we're going to hear a little bit about uh, information from the Veterinary News Network, and with the economy the way it is right now, with gas prices going up and food prices going up, everybody is looking to cut their bills where they can. And so is it possible, can you save money on your pet care and still take proper care of your cat? We'll talk about that at the end of our half hour. So let's go right into our trivia question before we hit our first break here. And I mentioned that Berman's Ragdolls and Snowshoes are the breeds that we're going to be talking about today. So let me ask you this. Why did I lump these three breeds together? What one physical feature do these three breeds have in common? And that's why we put them together in a show today. That's your trivia question. We will be right back after we hear from our sponsors on Pet Life Radio. Ooh, do I hear a can being opened? I believe I smell tuna. Catitude will return after these messages. That should give me enough time to investigate what's going on in the kitchen. Don't have a hissy fit. We'll be right back. I love cleaning the litter box, said no one ever. Luckily, there's World's Best Cat Litter, the litter that promises less mess with less litter. Only World's Best Cat Litter uses the concentrated power of corn to quickly trap odors in tight clumps. And quick clumping means you never have to chisel or scrape the box. Less cleanup with less wasted litter? That's a litter bit amazing. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com How dare they open a can of tuna and make a sandwich out of it? I can see why some of my celebrity pals prefer lasagna. Well, anyway, I did manage to grab myself the canary while I was in there. Quiet, bird. We're going to hear the rest of my show, Catitude. If you behave, I may not eat you. Until later. Hmm. Okay, Tom, you may continue. All right, we are back at the Catitude Channel at Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Tom, and I'm really glad that you're here with me today. We're talking about Bermans, Ragdolls, and Snowshoes today, and I ask you a trivia question about what physical feature do all three of these breeds have in common? And simply, 
it is the fact that they all have white feet. Now, you may be thinking, well, Tom, a lot of cats have white feet, but these are breeds that are definitely focused on having the white feet as part of the standard. And so it's something that's very important. I guess you could also say that there are a breed that the Siamese has figured, all three of these breeds, the Siamese has figured very been very important in the formation of all three of these breeds. Now, before we jump into the breeds, let's talk about these white feet. What causes the white feet? There is a single gene. It is a dominant gene, and it's called the white spotting gene. Now, most of the breeds that we've already talked about up until this time, the Siamese, the Persians, especially the solid color Persians, um, Abyssinians, cats like that, they have a homozygous recessive form of this gene. And what that means is they've got two copies of the recessive gene, and so they don't have any white spotting on them whatsoever. And that's part of their breed standard. Now, this gene, and we'll just call it S, that's what the cat geneticists call it. The S gene is dominant. And in our Burmans and ragdolls and other cats that have white feet, that have the gloves on basically, they exist in a heterozygous formation. In other words, they've got one copy of the dominant gene and one copy of the recessive gene. When you have two copies of the dominant gene, in other words, a homozygous dominant cat, you're going to have a lot of white. And these are going to be your bicolors and your van cats that have a lot of white all over the body. So again, this all is responsible for one single gene, like so many of the traits, the physical traits that we see in our cat breeds. It's just one single gene. Now, I'm sure there's effector genes and to show how much, because not every white-footed cat has the same covering of white feet as the other ones. So there's probably some other physical traits that go along with it, but that's the basic story of how they get their white feet. We're going to start off talking about the Burmans first, and as they, um, as you can probably figure from their names, they originated in Western Burma, which is now the country of Myanmar. And that's the country, of course, that was affected not too long ago by the massive flooding because of the typhoons. Um, and of course, the relief workers had a lot of problems getting in uh, to work because it's a very, very closed society over there. But the interesting thing about Burmans is there are documents from ancient Thailand that depict a breed of cat that look exactly like a Burman. So with the white feet and the points and everything. So, you know, have these cats been around for a very long time? Probably, but we're just not really sure about that. As far as the modern breed of Burman, there's a lot of stories out there. And they'll talk about anything from, you know, Andrew Vanderbilt bringing some over from Burma, um, a disloyal servant of one of the temples, stealing the cats and giving them to somebody. We don't really know exactly what happened, but around the end of World War I, there were two Burmans that were sent to France, a male and a female, and unfortunately, the male, he died in route, but the female was pregnant. Her name was Sita, and she gave birth to a litter of kittens, and that kind of started this breed. Well, like many of our breeds, um, they were completely decimated during World War II, and stories have it that there was actually only a single pair left after World War II, and this pair was named Orloff and Xenia. And so not only did they breed, but there was a lot of outcrossing that was done probably back to you know some of the Siamese, since they're in their background, in order to help reinstate this breed. And the breed actually first came to the United States in 1959 and has really taken off from there. 
And these are also kind of called sacred cats of Burma. You may hear about that as well. But there's a wonderful little legend that goes along with this cat. And I want to relay this to you here uh, just because I love mythology. And I think this is just a neat way of thinking about how this breed was developed. And so in ancient times, before there was even before Buddha was even born. These people, the Khmer people of Burma, built these wonderful temples. And they built these temples to Sun Kyan Si. And she is a goddess with sapphire eyes, and she presides over the souls. And she tells the priests of her religion, you know, you're going to live again in a holy animal, and then you get to come back as a great priest. So they built these temples, and there's one built out on Mount Lu, has these gorgeous statues of the goddess and of course in that time they made a lot of things out of gold and so these temples were kind of beacons for brigands and bandits and robbers to attack and so some bandits attacked this temple one night overwhelmed the guards and actually killed the elderly head priest his name was moon ha and he was dying and he was sitting on his golden throne and moon ha the priest had a very loyal feline friend the cat's name was Sin, and this was a solid white cat who had yellow eyes reflecting the gold of the statue of the goddess. Well, as the priest sat on the golden throne dying, the cat leapt onto his head, stood before the statue of the goddess, and this miracle transpired. He was transformed into a creamy-coated animal instead of a white animal, which is what we see with our Burmans. His ears, nose, tail, and legs became very dark, but his paws were left white from where he was touching the head priest. And after the invaders left the temple, this cat, Sin, stayed upon the priest's head for another seven days, facing the goddess, and then he helped carry Munha's soul to the goddess. And therefore, after, all the cats that were in the temple were then transformed into Burman cats. So, you know, it's uh, <laughs> certainly not a scientific version of how the Burmans came about, but I really like that story. It's just, you know, a, a dedicated cat. And that is one thing that people have said that as I read through the breed articles on Burmans, they talk about these animals who are very loyal, that they're highly intelligent and affectionate, and they like to be around people. And I would guess that that's probably a lot of their Siamese background. But breeders also say that these are very middle-of-the-road cats. They're not the layabout cats like our Persians and Himalayans that like to be, you know, presiding over a room. But they're also not the cats who are getting into things like our Siamese and our Abyssinians who are constantly vying for our attention by showing off. They're more middle of the road and tend to be just a, a nice cat. However, they are extremely social and they do not like being an only child. Um, so most people are going to end up having more than one. But you don't always have to have another Berman. You could have potentially a dog or another cat. Even if the family is around a lot, the Berman's going to be happy. But you, they do not like being an only child. So most people will end up um, adding another kitten to their household at some point in time. Nice thing about Burmans, even though they're a longer-haired cat, it's only semi-long. It's not as long as the Persian. It's very silky, very easy to groom. In fact, Sherry was saying that in her email to me, that she really likes the fact that it's kind of like a rabbit-like fur, and so it doesn't get matted very easy, and so they're very easy cats to take care of. They've got more of a semi-cobby body. You know, we talk about the Persians being that massive, cobby-bodied, very brick-like and even the roundness of some of the cats that we talked about last week, like the Manx cats. 
These guys, the Bermans, aren't quite that heavy or quite that round, but they definitely don't have the foreign body type or the oriental body type of the Siamese. So they're somewhere, again, in between, kind of that middle of the road. They should have blue eyes and, of course, the white gloves. And the white has got to stop before the toes completely transition into the metacarpals or metatarsals. And those are the bones that make up uh, just past your wrist or your ankle. So at some point, which would be kind of like the back of our hand or the top of our foot, that white is going to stop before it gets to that joint, basically. And the laces can go up about a third or half of the foot in the back. As far as colors go, we're definitely going to see the traditional Siamese colors, the seal, blue, chocolate, and lilac points. But there's also a lot of seal torty points, cream points, blue cream points, chocolate torties, lilac torties. There's even tabby versions available. And again, go to cfa.org, take a look at some of these pictures of these cats. They're just absolutely striking cats. You know, take the neat look, the intense look of a Siamese, give it a little bit longer hair, a little bit stockier body, and you can kind of imagine what I'm talking about. And the one final thing that I wanted to talk about with Burmans was just simply that there is a certain naming convention. Um, most Burman breeders will follow a tradition, and this is evidently a French tradition, of naming all the kittens born within a certain year names that begin with the same letter of the alphabet. And in Sherry's case, she had Furby and Frisbee, and that, that, of course, they were all born with F. And, you know, I went back, I think 2008 was the, um, the F year. And so every 26 years, they recycle. And yes, they use the Zs and the Xs and the Qs and all those difficult ones, but they will do that as well. Now, there are a few people who will avoid that, depending on where you go in the world, whether it's Germany or France or, or whatever, they're going to start at a different timetable. So you may not be on the same timetable. So not all the Burmans born in the same year across the world have the same first letter of their name, but certainly here in the United States, they do. So that's kind of a neat thing. And a lot of times also you're going to have the Cattery name in there as well. And so like in Sherry's point here with Furby and Frisbee, her registered names are Sky Heaven Fuzzy Little Furby and Sky Haven Fling That Frisbee. And I'm looking at a picture of both of them right now. And like I said, they're a seal point and a blue lynx point. And they are absolutely adorable little kittens. Um, just a poofy little hair and, and a very inquisitive Siamese type of look to them. So that might be a cat if you're looking for something a little bit different. And let's move on now and let's talk about the snowshoes. Now this is a more recent breed that has come about. And the more that I researched this breed, the more that I really believed that uh, my one cat, Fozzie, who was recently uh, put to sleep uh, a few months ago, was actually a snowshoe. Looking at pictures, I mean, his body looks almost exactly in the markings and everything like that. Well, their history basically is simple. A Siamese breeder by the name of Dorothy Hines Dougherty, um, she had Kensington Cattery, and I believe it was in Pennsylvania. She found three Siamese kittens that all had all white feet in one litter. So obviously very unique markings. It didn't repeat itself though, but she did think that this was a very interesting type of phenomenon, a mutation if it will, to occur. And so she started crossbreeding these Siamese and some bicolored American short hairs. As of right now with the American Cat Association and the Cat Fanciers Federation, you can have Siamese, American Shorthair, and Snowshoes all acceptable in the pedigree. Now, obviously, cat fanciers have not decided 
to give this breed status at this point in time yet, but I imagine that they will once it becomes more established that you're just breeding snowshoes to snowshoes. Like Siamese, these guys are very friendly and love company. They're very energetic and very playful cats, and that was certainly something that I could say about my Fozzie. And as far as what they look like, these guys should look like runners or jumpers rather than weightlifters. So again, we don't want them to look the long, lean type look of the Siamese, but we don't look, want them to look as massive as, say, a Persian or a Manx cat would look. Generally, you're going to see these guys in seal and white and blue and white. And again, they've got the white on the feet, and they have an inverted V of white on their nose. They're a short-haired cat. There's not a lot of grooming. They seem to be a very healthy cat as well, as far as no genetic problems that we have seen at this point in time. If you're interested, there is a, um, a pretty good website called um, sncats.tripod.com, sncats.tripod.com, and they've got some nice pictures and also a good breakdown of the genetics of how these cats came to be. Okay then, so I think right now we're going to take um, just a little bit of a break, and when we come back we'll talk about the ragdolls and how this breed came about and what the controversy is between ragdolls and ragamuffins, and we'll end up the show today talking about how you might be able to save a little bit of money on your veterinary care. So we need to hear from our sponsors, so we'll be right back after these messages. Do I hear a can being opened? I believe I smell tuna. Catitude will return after these messages. That should give me enough time to investigate what's going on in the kitchen. Don't have a hissy fit. We'll be right back. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. How dare they open a can of tuna and make a sandwich out of it? I can see why some of my celebrity pals prefer lasagna. Well, anyway, I did manage to grab myself the canary while I was in there. Quiet, bird. We're going to hear the rest of my show, Catitude. If you behave, I may not eat you until later. Okay, Tom, you may continue. All right, welcome back to Catitude. Thanks for hanging with us here at Pet Life Radio. This is Tom, and we are talking about Berman's snowshoes. And now we're going to get into the ragdolls and another breed you may not be familiar with, the ragamuffin cat. And again, all these cats we're talking about today have a unique physical characteristic in that they have white feet. Now, ragdolls are American cat breeds. They were developed here in the in the States, and they were created again in the 1960s, which was a very popular time for creating cat breeds, by a Persian breeder in California by the name of Ann Baker. And 
Some of the stock that she used to start with included some Persian Angora types and some Burman types, but there were two cats in particular, or actually three, Daddy Warbucks, which is the founding male, and then Fujiana and Buckwheat, the founding females. And Anne was um, a very unique breeder in that she really looked at not only the look that she wanted, having these white feet and this this large frame and a very, very soft coat along with the Siamese points. She also was looking very much at the temperament. And there's kind of a little old wives tale, myth, uh, urban legend, whatever you want to call it, that ragdolls tend to go limp when they're picked up. Well, they certainly tolerate being picked up a lot more than other cats. And so you're, you can select for that in your breeding of cats, and that's certainly what Anne did. Now, she also did something else which is very interesting, and this is where the politics get into it. She did not go to the normal associations like CFA and um, TICA and ACA and all the different cat associations. She actually trademarked the name Ragdoll and set up her own registry, the International Ragdoll Cat Association. And, of course, she was in charge of it, and so she enforced very stringent standards on anyone who wanted to breed or sell cats under that name. And Ragdolls were not seen in any of the other cat associations. Well, finally, a group broke away from Anne and the International Ragdoll Cat Association and started breeding ragdolls on their own. And they actually established a breed called the Ragamuffins. And now what is happening, both of these cats, the ragdolls and the ragamuffins, are accepted by CFA as of um, just within the last few years. But are the ragdolls part of the ragamuffins or vice versa? And a lot of times, even looking at these cats, it's very difficult to tell the difference between the two breeds. But these cats, as I said, tend to be very large cats. They're going to come in three different patterns, a mitted pattern, a bicolor pattern, and a color point pattern. So not only are we seeing um, the Siamese markings, but we can also get a a bicolor, you know, a brown and white, a black and white type cat as well. These cats are very large cats. They tend to be 15 to 20 pounds, um, which is not unusual at all. They do have a very non-defensive nature. So I don't know that they necessarily always go limp when they're picked up, but when they're socialized well from birth, they really like to be around people. And that is one thing that you'll find on the CFA website talking about ragdolls is that they seem to be more interested in humans than other breeds of cats. They run and greet you at the door, they flop on you, sleep with you, and just generally want to be around you. And again, that's probably the Siamese that's in their background. Um, but these guys will play fetch. Um, they tend to be on the floor. They don't like to jump quite a bit. And a nice thing is, like the Berman, they don't require a lot of grooming. And I think that's uh, very important for people when you're thinking about some of these very striking cats that have the longer coats and stuff. You want to make sure you're able to devote time to the grooming. If you're going to get a Persian or a Himalayan, make sure you can devote the time to the grooming. But uh, if you can't, you know, maybe a Berman or a Ragdoll is something that's a little bit... Uh, better suited for you. A lot of this information is available at the cfa.org website, and you can see the information about the ragdolls and the ragamuffins. I really think the ragamuffins, the, the, the cats aren't quite as large. They do have the same personality as the ragdolls, but they are allowed to be shown in a lot more coat colors. And I think that was the main 
problem that the Splinter Group had with Ann Baker's dominion over the ragdolls was they wanted to have a broader color palette. And there's a uh, cream cameo spotted tabby male um, on the picture page with the ragamuffin. And definitely it's a cat that makes you look twice. You you definitely might find yourself in awe. Just a massive cat, big expressive eyes, and they just want you to come closer to them. Okay, well... We have eaten up a lot of time today, but I do want to talk with you guys about the economy and what you can do to help make sure that your veterinary bills stay low and that your cat is still well taken care of. And so this information is coming, of course, from the Veterinary News Network, and you can find lots of stories about pet health at www.myvnn.com. And so we'll talk a little bit about what you can do to help save money at the veterinary office. Now, if you guys are like me, you're probably wondering on a daily basis, oh my gosh, how am I going to, you know, fill my car? How am I going to fill my tank of gas with gas pushing over $4 a gallon? Um, Milk is going up. We've got healthcare premiums rising and inflation and people are worried about recession and people start drawing back and holding on to their money. And gosh, what am I going to do? But we don't want to forget about our pets. And there's been many news stories out recently about not only how the economy and the foreclosure crisis has affected our pets. In fact, I think I've mentioned before that there are stories all over the place about pets who are abandoned when the owners lose their house. They just pack up everything and they leave the animals and realtors and uh, law enforcement officials will go into these houses, you know, days or sometimes even weeks later and find these animals emaciated and even dead in some cases. So definitely if you are listening to me and you've got financial worries, if you are in danger that you feel like you're going to lose your house to foreclosure, start talking with some of the animal groups in your area. You don't have to necessarily give up the animal. You can oftentimes find pet-friendly apartments and pet-friendly housing. The shelter may be able to help you out by um, talking with foster homes and other organizations. But please don't, don't leave your cat behind thinking that it's just going to be able to take care of itself. I know none of my listeners would do that, but you just got to say it just in case somebody's out there listening and they're having troubles. So we've got lots of demands on our checkbook. And you know, We not only want the best care for our cats, but we also want the best value. And let's talk about that first. Veterinary medicine is a great value. You may not think so when you're paying that $200, $300 bill uh, for an annual visit for your cat after you get all the medications and everything they might need. But compare it to what you would have to pay as a person or you would have to pay at the dentist or at your general practice, uh, family practice type doctor. We don't see a lot of the costs that are associated with our medical bills because our insurance takes care of it. We see everything that goes on with our pets. The average person spends about $800 a year on their cats. And we've talked about this before that it's still, that's very reasonable when you're thinking about the health of a family member. The first thing that we want to talk about is if you want to save money, Let's prevent diseases that are very easy to prevent and very costly to treat. Things like feline distemper, feline leukemia, rabies, of course, the most takes the biggest toll of all. The animal ends up dying. But vaccinate your animal. You don't have to vaccinate every year. Talk with your veterinarian about what the best 
course of action for you and your pet is. It may not be every year. It may be once every three years. Your veterinarian may choose not to vaccinate and just do vaccine titers. That's okay too. But if you think about it, you know, a kitten who ends up contracting panleukopenia, which is feline distemper, not only has a difficult time even surviving it, but that's going to be costly to you. There could be $400, $500, $600 in hospitalization, fluids, antibiotics, costs to get this kitten through this when most vaccines are probably going to only run you somewhere between $10 and $15. And again, although it might seem wise to buy your own vaccines, I would not recommend that just simply because you don't know where these vaccines have been. If you're going to a farm and feed store, if you're buying them over the internet, are they being shipped properly? Are they being stored properly? Talk with your veterinarian about this. Most veterinarians have puppy and kitten plans that enable you to take care of your pet in a reasonable amount of time and at a reasonable cost. Take care of your kitten with parasites. Roundworms are spread among people. There's probably, you know, 10,000 plus cases every year of humans getting roundworms from their pets. And most kittens are going to be born with roundworms. So make sure that you take your kitten into the veterinarian when they get their vaccines that we get a simple deworming too. That's not only going to be healthier for the cat, but it's also going to be healthier for you too. Dental problems. Um, if you brush your cat's teeth or if you use some sort of oral health prevention device, you're going to definitely make sure that your cat lives longer because you're limiting the amount of bacteria that go into the bloodstream, but you're also avoiding some of those big costs that are associated with the prophylactic dentistries and even the oral surgeries that sometimes have to happen when you've got a cat with a bunch of bad teeth. I've seen cats where they've had to have all of their teeth pulled and you know that's a very, very expensive prospect. So do the right thing, get the preventative. If you can brush your cat's teeth, that's great. Otherwise, use some of these foods like um, the Hills Dental Diets are wonderful for helping to reduce the amount of tartar that's building up on your cat's teeth. We want our cats to be active and healthy and stay fit. Play with your cats. Don't let them get obese because that certainly is going to lead to more health problems like diabetes. Um, heavy cats are also prone to hepatic lipidosis, which is again a big hospitalization. Your cat may not die from it, but certainly it's going to cost you and hit you in the wallet. So definitely get some good food, keep your cat active, play with them on a daily basis, and just use some good common sense rules. You know, if you take your cat outdoors, make sure you've got control of it. Don't let him run loose where he might get hit by a car or attacked by another animal. Certainly spaying and neutering is very, very important. But I think above all, trust your veterinarian. If you've got a good relationship with him, trust him. Take your cat in twice a year. That's going to help you avoid those big problems, whether it's a little mass that's growing under the skin, whether it's a heart murmur. If you find the problems early and catch them early before they get too advanced, they're often much less costly. And I think that's probably keeping these simple ideas in mind are going to definitely help you prevent the costly disease and the accidents. Stop by myvnn.com. You can learn a lot about what kind of things our cats and our dogs and all of our pets are facing out there, as well as keep up to date on all the pet health information. Okay, so that's enough of that today. Definitely see your veterinarian, trust your veterinarian, and be wary. Be wary of internet sites that promise low costs on things because often you're going to get material that is expired. You're going to get drugs that are outdated. And I definitely would avoid buying medications on the internet unless your veterinarian thinks 
that they've got a good site that they trust. And that's a big, big problem that we're seeing in the veterinary industry right now. Well, as always, I have really enjoyed this. I love talking with you guys, and I want to hear from you. Please email me at tom at petliferadio.com. Again, tom at petliferadio.com. If you have any questions, if you missed one of the websites I mentioned, or if you just want to learn a little bit more about something that's going on with your cat and your breed. Now, keep in mind, I am not a veterinarian. I don't want to necessarily give you bad advice. I hope I will never give you bad advice. If it's a health question you're going to be asking, I might be able to give you a little bit of information, but we will certainly forward that to our good friend, Dr. Bernadine Cruz, the pet doctor here at Pet Life Radio, and the other veterinarians who make up the wonderful Veterinary News Network. So until next time, uh, keep listening, keep petting those kitties, keep them fit and trim, and run them around uh, with their little laser tags and their kitty teasers and make sure that they're going to be a good healthy cat for you. And I would love to hear from you guys. Come back and see me here on the Catitude channel at Pet Life Radio. Bye-bye for now. Want to know what cats like to eat for breakfast? Mice Krispies, of course. Learn everything there is to know about cats on Catitude with your host, Tom Dock. Each week, we'll spotlight a cool cat breed, give up-to-date advice on cat health, and check out spiffy new cat products. So curl up on the couch every week for a perfectly enjoyable time on Catitude. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.